0: you're not on the bus, if you miss this one, you may actually miss the complete opportunity to ever become wealthy from real estate. welcome to the urban property investor i'm your host sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth today we are gonna code crack capital growth like never before tell you what i hope you have been enjoying the podcast so far the feedback has been incredible people really do like the idea of taking a topic talking it through creating some lessons about real estate so we can all move forward crack that code of being wealthy from real estate of course australia's number one asset class and new zealand number one asset class is real estate so if all of our wealth is tied up in real estate it would make sense to go on a little bit of a history lesson to understand structural changes which have led Australian and Kiwis to be some of the most wealthiest people on the planet. Are you feeling wealthy right now? What if I was to tell you coronavirus is actually one of your best hopes ever to become even more wealthy than what you are today? We are living through a seismic structural shift And the structural shift is going to benefit those that play the Monopoly board. Today's Monopoly board is Australia and New Zealand's real estate marketplace. So, kick back, grab yourself a cup of tea, let's talk real estate, let's talk property and structural change and the rebirth of capital growth, how it will unfold. Probably the most important headline of the year has been around Josh Frydenberg's recent change when he said, forget about the Royal Commission, we need the flow of money, is irresponsible lending back Frydenberg's getting rid of responsible lending. Here's a quote from the Treasurer of Australia himself. As Australia continues to recover from COVID-19, it is more important than ever that there is no unnecessary barriers to the flow of credit to households and business. There is so much in that statement. The flow of money is what real estate is about. Where money flows, real estate grows. And today's show is about the flow of money, past and future. We want real estate to flow. We want real estate to grow. We want money to flow because the correlation of that is capital growth. Now, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey A journey so far through this strange year, which is 2020, but also a history lesson on property growth here in Australia and very likely in New Zealand. I've got a lot of Kiwi listeners. People listen from New Zealand. People are texting me from New Zealand. Hey bro, love the show. Like I can't speak Kiwi. I don't know what hey bro means, but I love it. Thanks for listening. Thanks everyone for listening. We're we're topping the charts. We're moving up the charts. I thought twelve people were listening. Apparently, there's thousands of people tuning in. It's fantastic. Feel like we're uh, we're moving together. You know, give me a plug. Tell your friends to listen. We need to crack the code of real estate wealth, and we're going to do this together. But we have been going through a pretty strange year in the world affairs, and. It is creating a new structural rebirth of economics. So, before we talk about the structural rebirth of economics, we have had the coronavirus. We now live in a period where contagion is real. We've had some terrible, devastating fires around the globe. We've had the Amazon on fire. We've had Australia on fire. We've now got. Much of California experiencing wildfires or bushfires so we know the world economically and also from a sustainability point of view it's having to think a lot differently more localized from a property point of view we've had doomsdays come into Australia and do the old Harry Dent 40 percent off property and That clickbait headline has certainly maybe put people in a place where they're fearing the future. I mean, Harry Dent's an American. Robert Kiyosaki, Harry Dent came out earlier in the year talking about 30 to 40% price drops in Australia. Structural changes in America and structural changes in Australia and New Zealand are completely different. The last big structural change in America, which collapsed the property market, was around predatory home loans where people borrowed money that they could not afford to repay. Non-recourse lending allowed those people to hand back the keys to the bank and move on with their life. A structural problem that made the global financial crisis occur. American real estate got absolutely flogged in the financial crisis, but Australian and Kiwi real estate didn't. Different structural conditions. In Detroit, America, 700,000 people left that city, leaving 500,000 homes vacant over the course of the last 30 years that is a seismic structural change for uh, that city why did it occur the loss of jobs the change in production particularly in the car sector automobile sector structural changes have a massive impact americans feel structural changes in real estate australians win from structural change in real estate. And when we think about capital growth, we think about properties going up in value. Often the conversation is actually about property clocks and cycles and supply and demand. These are micro elements of growth. When we track real growth, where properties go up exponentially fast, there is structural reform which is occurring behind the scenes i'm going to take you on a history lesson of structural reform in australia which proves capital growth occurs in big bounds by virtue of structural change that the market goes up yes by things like supply and demand and demographics and influences from infrastructure like roads or trams or trains but real blistering speed growth happens by virtue of structural change bill evans westpac's chief economist has put out a report 2022 some big numbers of capital growth here in australia brisbane 20 percent perth 18 percent Melbourne, 12%. Sydney, 14%. Big capital growth numbers. Why has Westpac changed its tune around property performance? Of course, 2020 and 2021 may be years which are great buying opportunity property marketplaces. In fact, if you're sitting on the fence and you're a fence sitter... And you're like one of those people that thinks the market's gonna go down, so they're not gonna buy. And then when the market's going up, it's too hot, so I'm not gonna buy. You've got to slap yourself right now. This is what I want you to do give yourself a dead leg, punch yourself in the leg, because you need to move on, because you potentially will miss the greatest restructure of the next wealth effect. The wealth effect makes you wealthy. And Westpac has already put out early signals in 2022, 20% capital growth year. What happens in 2023? What happens in 2024? Will we actually see real estate go up so much in value that if you're not on the bus, if you miss this one, you may actually miss the complete opportunity to ever become wealthy? From real estate. You know, you're going to have to look at other asset classes if you miss the next wealth effect. You're going to have to, I don't know, hope Bitcoin doubles down again because if you miss the next structural change in real estate, you're going to hurt. I don't want that to happen to you. Harry Dent is wrong. Real estate structurally is not going to disappear in value and go back to what it was worth in the 1980s. Structurally, Australia has gone through a lot of different changes. Australians and Kiwis are some of the most wealthy people on earth. According to the World Index of Wealthy People, Australia sits in sixth position as the most wealthy human beings that walk the earth. I mean, we are lucky, right? We live in one of these places where people want to come to, where people don't want to leave, where there's enough knowledge, education and lifestyle to stay. We are so goddamn blessed. And as part of that blessing, government also wants us to be wealthy. See, here is the science, right? If you have equity in your own home, If you've got value in your own home, let's say you bought your house for $800,000 and it's worth $900,000 today. You You don't have money in your pocket from your home, but you know your home is worth more than what you paid for it. Psychologically, that does something to you. The little psychologist, pretty famous guy by the name of Maslow, Five basic human needs human beings have. One of the biggest of those human needs is certainty. If you feel wealthy, if you feel certain, even though you're potentially not even wealthy, but you've got money in your own home, guess what you do? You spend your wage, you get a credit card, you live, you spend because you spend that stimulates economic growth in Australia. Because you spend, that creates a job. The government in Australia structurally wants you spending. If they can help engineer that your property is going to be worth more, psychologically, you sleep at night better. You don't mind spending your wage income to stimulate growth in the economy. Productivity is a measurement of spending. Josh Frydenberg has announced. He's made it today. It's take, that's a lot of balls to go, bugger the Royal Commission. Let's throw out the book on responsible lending and get money flowing. Remember, when money flows, real estate grows. This is such a structural shift on what the future of real estate actually looks like. Let's do a bit of a history lesson. Let's talk about property cycles. And I think a lot of people kind of spend their professional career talking about, well, the Sydney cycle looks pretty good. It looks like it's going to go up in value. And we talk about growth But real growth comes from structural change. Yeah, you can make 20 grand because the market goes up because it's undersupplied. You can make 40, 50 grand because the market goes up because it's undersupplied or rents are too high. There are six market drivers that drive an economy. They are economics itself, which I'll talk about later. They are supply and demand, which real estate is the beneficiary of right now. There's not enough stock out there. We are depleted of real estate. Building is not occurring. Property markets are running out of real estate. Yields. Yields are a big player in economics. Yields at the moment are pretty strong. The cash rate is so low. The yields are so good compared to money in the bank. Demographics is just the what people want consumer habits. Then we've got population, infrastructure, and economics, which I'll talk about later. The big wealth effect happens, though, because one of these paradigms changes. Now, if we want to go back and do a bit of a property lesson in Australia and New Zealand, you can go back to the 1970s. Let's go back to, we're rewinding, let's rewind to the 1970s Sam Saggers is born 1975. What is going on? Well, I'll tell you what was going on in the 1975. Property values were pretty inexpensive. You could buy a property for a can of coke. Apartments were eleven thousand dollars. Houses were twenty thousand dollars. And in nineteen seventy My mum didn't work. Mums all over my neighbourhood were not working. There was no real need for two parents to go to work because one income allowed society to function. However, people wanted to work and the idea of more people coming into the economy created more revenue for households. So properties doubled in value in the 80s. I'm a child of the 80s. And we saw property values not only double once, but double twice. Why did they double? Well, in this situation, it was a demographic structural change. We went from single-income households to double-income households. That extra money in the pot meant there was room for property values to grow. You see, where money flows, real estate grows. In that situation in the 80s from the 70s, you saw money flowing by virtue of demographic change. Human beings changed what they did. This doubled down the amount of money in a family budget and then doubled property values a big structural re-change of society. So you get it, right? Structural change is what real estate is about, and you're living a structural change right now. In the 1990s, real estate again changed structurally. Prior to the 1990s, to borrow money from the bank, you had to suit up Do a little tap dance for the bank manager and hope to God that he would lend you money. He or she would lend you money. The banks were not allowing capital to flow like they do today. In fact, back then, it was very difficult to get a loan. My father bought our family house using Vendor Finance. He could not borrow money from a bank. The seller, the vendor, had to lend my father money to buy the property off him. In fact, back then you had things like credit unions. Qantas had a credit union. Qantas Credit Union. They created their own bank for their own workers to borrow money because it was impossible to go and borrow money anywhere. Australia had a lot of credit unions back then before the 90s, because you had the teacher's credit union, the police officer's credit union, you had credit union after credit union, because fundamentally, if you wanted to borrow money, you usually went to your credit union to borrow it to try and buy something. It was so difficult to borrow. After the 1990s, we had a bank deregulation, a massive structural change in real estate what happened was credit became easy. Because credit became easy, property values went on to double in value. Credit is just the flow of money. Because money flowed in the 90s, you saw a property cycle occur. You saw real estate double in value. By the early 2000s, we had seen Real estate grow and grow and grow. And as a society, as Kiwis and Aussies, we started to realise wealth can be created from property. In the early 2000s, we then saw the next structural shift here in Australia. And it is again around the idea that if money flows, wealth grows, real estate grows. In the early 2000s, Australia entered a mining boom. We had a Prime Minister by the name of John Howard, and John Howard was very pro the wealth effect. What occurred was two big dynamics. Migration. John Howard invented the skilled migration policies which dominate Australia today. You bring skilled people into your economy, you will get wage growth. Two things happened, skilled wage growth and mining. People could go off to a weird town in the middle of nowhere, drive a truck and get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars here in Australia in the early 2000s. People were fleeing to far-flung parts of northern Western Australia to drive a truck and get paid a fortune from the great iron ore miners of Australia. The coal miners of Australia in far north Queensland paid big bucks. What this did was create huge amounts of pressure on wages. Australia's mining boom was as much an infrastructure boom. Infrastructure created wage growth. These mines needed all sorts of new equipment, technology, and as such, we were talking billions of dollars of spending to produce the minerals that Australia today is lucky to own and sell. So this mining boom created a wage boom. People who didn't really, one could say, deserve a wage increase got a wage increase. The receptionist at the office that was on $30,000 a year went to $55,000 a year. The clerk in the office went from 40 to 70. The guy on 70 went from 70 to 100. The guy on 100 went from 100 to 140. Everyone got a pay rise. Not because we added more value to our job, because the inflation rate in society was so strong. We had wage growth. In 2007, I was borrowing money from banks at 13% interest. Today, in 2020, I pay 3%. In 2007, there was a big structural change in a society that wages grew so much that in many marketplaces, real estate doubled in value. You had Sydney doubling from sort of 2000 to 2004. You had Brisbane doubling from 2004 to 2007. You had Perth doubling the same period as Brisbane, 2004 to 2007. It was fast, man. Like People were making 10, 20 grand a week because of the structural change of wages in society. So when we think about capital growth quite often, we're a little bit disappointed because yeah, we buy a property and we're waiting for Melbourne to grow, we're waiting for Hobart to grow, we're waiting for Brisbane to grow. And a lot of that is micro issues, things like supply and demand, things like small amounts of migration. When we get these big hits of capital growth, they are structural changes in society. 2008 we had the gfc in australia well we had it around the globe didn't we it was everywhere it was killing economies australia stood up pretty firm didn't crack didn't have a recession and the wealth effect really unfolded by virtue of the gfc see these downturns in economics are actually so fantastic because you start a new era the fact that there were downturns in the 80s the 90s the fact that we are now in a downturn is actually really good for wealth building now it probably doesn't feel that way because you know someone who's been karate chopped from corona the old Corona's has given the old karate kick but it will not feel like that into the future. It looks like coronavirus is, is fairly well getting back under control in Australia and New Zealand, thankfully. Even good old Melbourne's got like six people with the coronavirus. Everyone's angry at Dictator Dan. Think di- Dictator Dan's a Marcus. He's a communist. Throw Dictator Dan out. Everyone hates Dictator Dan. We will move on as a people. We will survive coronavirus and we will, per Westpac, start to enjoy the next wealth effect in 2022. 20% capital growth in Brisbane. 12% capital growth in Melbourne. Melbourne's properties are twice the value of Brisbane. So you can imagine like 12% is like 20% because you get double by virtue of the value consideration the wealth effects gonna unfold and we know right now supply in Australia is has disappeared I mean it's very hard for new production to occur the stock levels are at an all-time low and Australia needs a lot of stock because it is a country which is growing you know it's business plan eventually is to end up 40 million people by mid-century so you need to produce the real estate to keep up with not only international migration into Australia but localized people people have babies and grow their families and and of course I mean we are talking catastrophic levels of supply Brisbane alone this year has had 300 properties approved in the inner city as apartments, just 300. I mean, we are talking a city the size, well, a two and a half million person city having 300 approvals for apartments. That's nothing. It's ridiculous. I mean, we need thousands and thousands. So we are going into a new world and the last structural change in real estate to occur in Australia occurred just after the GFC. Global financial crisis happened in 2008. By 2012 to 2016, Sydney and Melbourne's property market doubled. Remember, in 2008, we had the global financial crisis. It hit in October. 2009, the share market had been shredded Property values in some areas had dropped exponentially. People were feeling broke. People were spending their savings. People were doing it tough, man. But where there's problems, there's also the counter-argument. You need those problems to create the next series of wealth. People who panic, they lose. People who don't take risk, they lose. Risk takers win. Back in 2008, we had the GFC. 2009, 10 and 11, people did not have the savings to propel the country forward. Now, remember the psychology of this you've got equity in your own home or your properties you own, you feel safe. If you feel safe, you go spending. If you go spending, you create a job. If you create a job, that person continues to spend themselves. And of course, we end up with this productive community. GDP is a measurement of growth, which is a measurement of spending. So what did the government do for the last wealth effect? Well, the last wealth effect the government did something which they had not done much before of which was to allow foreign investment into australia foreign funding has supported australia's economic development by permitting more capital investment than domestic savings would otherwise allow think about that statement if we don't have money There's no money flowing. So what we do and what we can do is go and get money from another country and bring it into our country, which creates money flowing. The last wealth effect or structural change in real estate which saw Sydney and Melbourne double its property prices between 2012 and 2016 was foreign intervention into the Australian property market we can see an absolute correlation of capital growth from the amount of intensive foreign investment into residential property back in that era. Why? Because we did not have the savings to create wealth ourselves. We needed to allow other people into our economy to do that for us. And here in Sydney, it was pretty blatant. You could see a property that a local would buy back in 2012, 13, for $400,000, and an offshore investor would pay $500,000 for it. We thought they were bonkers, but what was actually occurring was the creation of growth for you. You were the winner if you owned real estate in Sydney or Melbourne. Why Sydney or Melbourne won? Foreign investors knew them as big cities, so they technically knew to invest in them. At that point in time, Brisbane and Perth and Adelaide and Hobart and Canberra were less known places. For overseas investors, it was an easy decision. Sydney is a great place. It's a world-class city. It's cheaper than Shanghai. Let's move our money into Sydney. Artificial demand, prices rising, and of course, that creates what we call the wealth effect. Structural change creates wealth. The last structural change or the last downward structural change, I should correct myself, the last downward structural change in real estate occurred by virtue of the Banking Royal Commission. The Banking Royal Commission. Between 2017 and 2020, we saw lenders having to de, well, really regulate lending again. Remember in the 1990s, we had the deregulation of lending, which created property values doubling. In 2017, we had the regulation of lending. In other words, it was very hard to go out and get credit. Credit did not flow, and because credit did not flow, less people had access to it, so less people could buy real estate, So real estate either stayed stagnant or went down in value between 2017 and early 2020. You see the structural changes which are big, the economic decisions which have big impacts on real estate. Remember, there are six market drivers for growth. Back in the 70s and 80s, it was demographic change. It was double income households which got money flowing. In the 1990s, it was an economic decision to regulate, deregulate the banks that got money flowing. In the early 2000s, it was population and infrastructure spending around mining and people coming into the country, which created capital growth for real estate. In the 2010s, the structural change was an economic decision to allow more foreign capital into the country which created a boom in sydney or melbourne structural change is big to the science of real estate growth and the future of structural change is here freidenberg announced it big announcement man like that's huge we are gonna rip up the royal commission and i want money flowing his statement says i want money flowing now this guy's here to stick around folks like i think you're going to find this guy's going to be in power for a long time and he's going to get his way he's going to get money flowing so what is the new structural shift what is the change we are in now well i think it's fair to say we have learned so much as an economic community that government is going to do A complete combination of the past four wealth effects. We're going to make credit easy. We're going to make credit easy. That's the first thing that's going to happen. The Royal Commission's going out of the book. That is a throwback to the 1990s uh, restructuring. We're going to invest in mining and infrastructure. Why? Because it creates wage growth. If wages grow, you've got more money flowing. So we're gonna go, if you look at the big pieces of the puzzle, there's a lot of investment by government into mining and infrastructure. I'll talk about that a little bit more. So we're gonna get this combination of easy credit, infrastructure growth, which is great. And we're also going to see the wealth effect occur with more foreign investment coming into Australia. There's no stock levels. So, if you allow foreigners who today are heavily taxed, they're taxed big, man, like 12.5% to buy a property stamp duty for a foreign investment today. Once that is undone, you're going to see no stock, extra demand, and of course, that huge, huge impetus on the wealth effect. We're also seeing. Obviously, an urban rebirth through Phygenomics, which I've talked about in past episodes, that people will concentrate on that live, work, play marketplace to own real estate because of a new trend, a demographic trend. So if you're going to buy, buy, live, work, and play. Responsible lending laws to be axed. The government wants it to make it easier for mortgages to occur, for you to borrow. And then the final scenario, which is unfolding, is deflation. We will see rate cuts occur in Australia. We are literally living in the lowest cash rate ever. So for Australians, this is crazy. Remember I said I borrowed money at 13% in 2007? Today, I'm borrowing money at 3%. It is very possible in October 2020 that we get another rate cut, taking the cash rate in Australia to 0%, meaning you can borrow money at the lowest level ever, a structural change in society. Think about the structural changes. You can borrow money for zero, like money is worth zero in the bank, zero, like zero, where do you think that money's going to flow to? It's going to come out of the bank. It's it's useless to society in the bank. The interest rates will go to zero because money in the bank is useless to society. Where is it of better use? It is of better use being spent, being spent on property, being spent on holidays, being spent on shares. Why? Because shares create jobs. Properties create jobs. Holidays create jobs. Money in the bank does really no purpose. Banks still exist, by the way, without money in them. So coronavirus is actually going to create a scenario probably in 2022 and beyond where you're actually more wealthy, particularly from real estate. Real estate is Australia and New Zealand's number one asset class. If you've got an extra hundred dollars or $200,000 on your real estate, doesn't mean you're recycling that and spending it. For most people, they leave it alone. You psychologically feel more wealthy. You spend more. You drive more activity. In real estate, the wealth effect is often reflected in pie. Yes, not an apple pie, but the pie of the economy population infrastructure and economics and here in australia some of the big big plans to rebuild the economy are infrastructure plans if you want to get to know them little tip from me go to infrastructure australia priority list you will notice much of the infrastructure spend is occurring in our big major metropolitan areas on roads and rail this is spending Now don't miss the concept here. The infrastructure creates jobs, the jobs create uh, inflation, wages go up, and we as a society, as a spin-off effect of Australia's massive infrastructure plan, will at some point get wage growth. If we get wage growth, we've got more opportunity to see property growth. Where money flows, real estate grows. Infrastructure is just about the flow of money. I mean, we are talking about inland railways being built from Melbourne to Brisbane. These are approved. These are approved as part of the priority list. So we'll get that money flowing, and that infrastructure spend is designed around, eventually, you getting a wage increase actually not designed for you to use a railway from melbourne to brisbane it is not designed for your com your convenience designed as an economic principle of inflation brisbane shooting for the 2032 brisbane uh olympic games i mean this is amazing this is absolutely huge infrastructure planning and again The spin-off effect is more money flowing, more jobs being created, more spending, more productivity. The wealth effect is real, folks. We will see students return to Australia. Students are a big part of John Howard's original plan back in the 2000s to increase the economy by bringing skill into it. A lot of the skill that Australia has comes through its university systems And the beautiful thing about students returning to Australia will be, of course, the fact that they need to be self funded to do a degree in Australia or a diploma. They can't necessarily rely on full time employment here in Australia. In fact, they can only take 20 hours a week. Usually they do that just for a bit of fun, a bit of pocket money, a bit of learning the language, so to speak. The reality is, students into australia are a big part of our commerce and you will see that rebound probably 2021 maybe early 2022 remember australia's completely under supplied of stock and by virtue of that we are going to see growth at a local level but more importantly we're actually seeing a structural structural change in real estate by virtue of economics the wealth effect will come if you miss this one, man, I, I think we're gonna—you're gonna have to tune into. If you miss this wealth effect, you're gonna have to tune into podcast three thousand and twenty-one of my podcast when probably in twenty thirty-three. So, if you don't have real estate, you better start buying some. Because if you miss the next wealth effect, I'm not joking. Come back. Listen to me in 2032. Come back in 2032. What episodes is SAG's up to in 2032? Yes, he's up to 3,000 episodes. I'm serious. You will miss it, right? So don't sit on the fence. If you're a youngster, take advantage of all the growth which is occurring in those government booths to get free stamp duty from, from being a first homeowner you will feel some wealth for the first time in your life eventually from the next strategic change in real estate, The Wealth Effect. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I've certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. If you love my vibe, please give me a five-star review. Please tell some friends and family. I'm trying to get up there on the charts. I'm trying to make a difference to people's lives. Hey, give us a hand if you can, and I'll continue to do the same to you. Thanks for listening. Over and out. Sam Sagers signing off. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.